Hello and welcome to a very special episode of IMI's Talking Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, David Larkin. The numbers on AI don't lie. Two-thirds of executives think that it is crucial for their business's success. By 2025, it is predicted that AI will grow by up to $118 billion. To dig in on the potential and the pitfalls, this week I'm joined by David Kerrigan, a specialist in artificial intelligence. David is an author, speaker, and founder of London-based software firm Quickly, which provides computer vision solutions to over 500 million users. David was welcomed recently by the IMI with his webinar on a pragmatic introduction to AI. So I'm delighted today to be joined by David Kerrigan. David, how are things today? All good, thanks. Good to be here. Fantastic. Well, look, there's so much to talk to you today, so let's get straight into it. Um, David, I'm going to start by hitting you with a few numbers and statistics, if you don't mind. So according to Forbes magazine, 86% of businesses are currently benefiting with better customer experience through AI, and 25% of companies with the widespread adoption of AI will expect to see an increase in revenue during this year. So let's talk about numbers again. Well, the raw numbers, they don't tell the full story, obviously. Is it fair to say that businesses are missing a trick if AI isn't a key part of their strategy? Well, for me, I think it's a question around, it's a key part of the strategy if it's a good fit for your business. The thing I always encourage businesses to look at is it's it's not the right way to approach things that AI is your destination. It needs to be the right fit for your organization. And what I always try and counsel against is people making a decision without doing the research, without getting the understanding of whether it is the right technology for them. So I like to see companies who say, I'd like to understand what AI can do, what it can't do, and if that's the right thing for me. So if, you know, the, I think that the PwC survey that you're referring to, the 86% sounds great, big number, that was of companies who have already really embraced AI and 86% of them are saying it's delivering what they expected, which is great. But if you're a business and as long as you make that informed decision, you understand what AI could do and you decide it's not for you, then I think it's okay for it not to be part of your strategy. But the crucial thing is to make that informed decision and make it based on doing good research and understanding what you need versus what AI can and can't do. Yeah, so it's that idea of having fit for your organization and also having clarity in what your organization needs. So that makes a lot of sense. However, um, there have been some documented problems with AI, especially from the point of view of bias. So, for example, we had uh, the case of Amazon systems showing bias against women in 2018. And I suppose um, on a broad level, um, how do you think this has been addressed by businesses and how much of a challenge is this, especially when we speak about hiring practices, for example? So I think it's important when you're looking at this space of bias, just to take that step back and understand who is most at risk as a business from a bias. And I like to draw the distinction between the businesses who are developing AI. So the ones who are training the models, and that's where the biggest bias risk is because you're baking the bias into your model with poor training and poor quality data versus the businesses, which is the majority, who won't be building AI. They'll be buying solutions. 
And I think it's worth figuring out where along that chain the emphasis is most useful. So if you're just buying in a recommendation AI model, the issues around bias are probably pretty small. And the consequences of bias are also pretty small in terms of if you buy in a commercial recommendation engine and the worst case scenario is it recommends a product to a customer that isn't a brilliant fit with what the customer is looking for or Netflix makes a bad recommendation on a movie. It's not really a huge consequence. What worries me and where I think we need to put the focus is on the really high impact cases of bias. So where, you know, areas like predictive policing, sentencing and recidivism prediction, so things related to justice, related to welfare, deploying AI in those cases without a very, very big emphasis on ethical oversight is a major concern. But if you're, you know, a, a small business and you're just taking advantage of a recommendation tool, I think you're you're not going to be massively worried about the, the bias challenge. And somewhere in between those two sits that use case you mentioned around HR. So obviously uh, you, you gave me some stats earlier. I'll throw one back at you now that I saw you know, where 72% of, of resumes are no longer seen by humans. They're all triaged by AI. And, and there you've got a definite concern about bias. If those models have been trained to over-select based on what are perceived to be prestigious schools versus other possibly more relevant results, then you have a bias issue. So I, I kind of look at the, the bias challenge as a continuum from areas which aren't really going to be held back by it to areas where I think you need to be very watchful to then the other extremes I mentioned around justice and welfare systems where they're absolutely hugely important and there hasn't been enough emphasis on addressing the bias just yet. The awareness is growing, which is great, but we definitely need to do more. Yeah, it's a fascinating area. And I suppose, yeah, the, the thing you touched on there is is very resonant in terms of we're talking about different stakes here, you know, when we're talking about, as you say, Netflix recommendations versus, um, you know, widespread organizational discrimination based on you know, maybe like keywords in a CV or something like that. So it's, it's a very different type of thing. Um, one thing you touched on in your webinar with us uh, at the IMI was uh, this idea of businesses having a mental model for AI. So would you say it's fair to say that businesses in general don't have that quite in place yet? And what would be some of the, I suppose, um, fast track ways to get that, um, you know, in place? I think the the biggest challenge is where do you start with your mental model? And in a, in a strange way, continuing from our last question, there's human bias. So I think, you know, there's a lot of human cognitive bias there where the starting point isn't very helpful. So you have the kind of techno solutionist businesses who decide AI is going to solve all their problems. And then you have the overly skeptical businesses who don't have any great grasp of what AI actually is and what it can do for them. So I'm a huge fan of, of that pragmatic approach of understanding what can AI do for your business 
and looking at it with an open mind, with a, a healthy degree of skepticism to say it's not as great as all the vendors say it is, but it's also going to become better. And the timing is crucial. So you need to understand what is the technology able to do now? What will it be able to do? And I think the challenge for, for business leaders is matching the vision to the reality, getting the timing right on the execution. When is it right for their organization to move forward with AI projects? Yeah, that's that's very true. And I suppose one uh, follow-up question on that would be, um, as you mentioned, one thing is the execution and the implementation of the AI. But another thing is, how do leaders best communicate those benefits of AI to their organizations? And what would you say are those benefits in a kind of a broad sense? So I think the, the benefits typically tend to be under three headings. So AI will either allow you to automate something that you couldn't automate before or it will allow you to scale something that you couldn't, due to cost reasons or resource reasons, you couldn't scale, or it will allow you to do something completely new. So I think where people often struggle with getting started with AI and assessing its relevance or not, is even just understanding what's the end game. So what problem are they trying to solve? Is it something that fits with AI? If you go out with a preconceived idea that AI is going to solve your problems, it may or may not. It, it will only work on certain problems. So the, the business benefits only accrue if you can match the solution to the problem. If you have basic operational problems in your organization, you need to address them before AI will actually be able to give you that dividend you're after. And in terms of the first part of your question around communicating the benefits to staff, I think as long as the leadership within the business has got that clarity of vision, the understanding of what AI is and isn't, then it should be reasonably normal business practice in terms of any change management to say, this is what the organization is aspiring to this is how we're going to achieve it and this is the role that the the employees need to play and of course it all needs to be done in a pretty sensitive way if the benefit that you're seeking is automation and a reduction of of labor costs and then you obviously need to have a plan to skill reskill the staff who may be displaced or or automated yeah, very, very true. And um, just to jump back to um, something we'd previously discussed in one of the other questions, um, I'm, I'm keen to um, for you to explain to our listeners the, the idea of algorithmic transparency and how that applies to businesses. How available should the data be, crucially, for employees and employers in general? So I think, you know, the transparency and that whole space is something we could talk about for the whole entire session. For me, the, the crucial part, again, is, is thinking of things along that continuum and seeing where in the chain is your organization. So, again, if we go back to the previous example and say, you know, it's a, a commercial recommender or a Netflix type recommender, the, the need for transparency isn't huge, 
So it's a question of it's it's probably quite intuitive where you can say people who liked this movie also like that movie. And you can figure out pretty quickly what that algorithm is. It's not actually massively complicated. But if at the other end of the scale, you have those really crucial things, what you can't have is, is a black box solution where, you know, there, there have been some good analysis done on early deployments of solutions in the US around the area of welfare and predictive policing that were deployed as black box solutions. And when people opened the box to in search of that transparency, what they found was not pretty. Mm. So if you take the whole space around explainable AI, I think there's probably four pillars in there that make it up and transparency is one of them. But for me, in order to look at ethical use of AI, you also need to have fairness, accountability, explainability and transparency all together. So it's it's really a discipline in itself, understanding that human side of AI. And, you know, you have other examples then, say, where there are certain industries, particularly highly regulated industries, finance is the key example where, you know, there's a legal requirement that a financial institution can explain a credit decision to a customer. So if you've applied for a loan and you're denied, you have the right to say, I want an actual logical explanation of why you have denied me that facility. And that has ruled out the use of algorithms in a lot of instances where otherwise they would seem to be quite a good fit. But the transparency isn't there. And I think there's going to be a huge amount of effort and attention in the coming years. I hope there is because there needs to be on that area, as I said, of explainable AI that pulls in not just transparency, but those wider concerns around addressing the, the bias in the training data, the fairness, the accountability and the explainability. Yeah, actually, just um, one that kind of dovetails nicely into my next question um, regarding the Irish national AI strategy, which is set to be rolled out soon. Um, what do you see as the key areas that strategy needs to address um, to assuage any concerns that businesses might have, especially given what you've just said? So I think the key parts of the strategy and, and you know, pretty much every country has, has done some work on getting their own national strategy. At some level, I'm not a massive fan of national strategies because so much of the work on AI, you know, it doesn't respect borders and you may be dependent very much on multinationals who are leading the research and leading the rollout. But at a national level, what I'd love to see is an emphasis on education. So making sure that there is that understanding of what AI is good at, what it's not good at. And for me, there isn't enough emphasis on what it isn't good at. And maybe just to explain what those timelines are for when it's going to get better at particular things. I think there also needs to be funding. So businesses, I mean, I I always smile when I think back to my time kind of running a, a, a commercial business and a team and the pressure of day to day. How do you find the time to look at these new things, particularly something as challenging and as broad in scope as AI technologies? So there has to be funding to give people breathing space so that they can understand 
and digest what it means in their world. I think two other things that I'd love to see in the national strategy would be localization. So it kind of ties in a little bit with what we talked about, about bias, where, you know, if a model is trained somewhere else, uh, does it actually work really well in a local context? So we need to make sure that, you know, local customs and normal practices are reflected in whatever models we use and then regulation. So I think to address the concerns around bias, transparency, there needs to be regulation. So like the one I referenced in where financial use of AI is, is quite well regulated, it's got to apply to other areas. It's obviously very topical and very controversial at the moment. The kind of recommender algorithms, particularly in social networks and their role as gatekeepers, so you're actually reaching outside the AI world into that bigger piece of technology's role where we want to use it, where we don't want to use it. And do we even know it's being used? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, it's um, just kind of leading to my next question. It, it's all well and good having the AI systems in place, but um, especially for in a business context, in order to make the best decisions, you have to be you have to have a system that's trustworthy. Um, so, just kind of following up on what you what you just mentioned there, how can business leaders find that balance between going with their gut versus putting their faith in the data? Especially when we talk about you know kind of business wide decisions that have, that affect a lot of people. So, I think it's it's a question of starting small and building up, and as most experienced business leaders are, are quite used to dealing with their gut and in a way they've had a bit of training understanding where what their gut tells them versus kind of less advanced technologies that we're used to so you know say business dashboards have been growing in popularity for quite a while now and that's that's the beginnings of um, having data-driven decisions the challenge then from the AI level, if that's kind of the next generation, is to, I think, gradually grow your confidence. Business leaders need to get a, a great deep understanding of how the technology is reaching its decisions and how does that then match up to their gut. I think most of them will continue to go with their gut in a lot of cases, but gradually as they get a bit more faith in the algorithms, they will start to take more income from that. And the way I kind of summarize it is it doesn't have to be human versus AI. You know, if, if you take the, the research that's been done today from the, the world of chess, where, you know, it's, it's obviously been an area with a lot of hype around AI and taking over from human grandmasters. And yes, a, an AI will typically beat a grandmaster, but a grandmaster combined with an AI will beat an AI on its own. Mm -hmm. So I think for businesses, I don't see it as the gut instinct of business versus AI. I think it's a question of how do you harness the best of both to be greater than the sum of the parts for a, a cliche. 
Yeah, it's a fascinating calculus to be kind of keeping an eye on as, as the years go on and as AI becomes more and more embedded in organizations. Um, David, just to finish up, um, I suppose just looking forward a bit now, um, what do you see as the major challenge and I suppose the major opportunity for businesses that embrace AI as a central pillar in their organizational structure? So for me, the, the big challenge is getting your head around what it can do for you. So understanding at that high level, what is AI good at? And now what can that do in my organization? And taking the time to do that, it is, you know, the most advanced type of technology we've ever created. It's not just another package, you know, it's not just another piece of office software like we're used to. It's genuinely a complete new paradigm. It's a massive change. And I think it's finding that question to say, what can it do? How can I best benefit from it? When can I best benefit from it? And then just starting slowly. So, you know, about 70% of all innovation is, is incremental rather than breakthrough. And I think there's a bit of a tendency from businesses sometimes to look for the dramatic breakthrough, that huge, big flagship or lighthouse project. And a lot of times you, that's not what you need. You need to just take a small step, find a piece of technology. Don't even think about it as AI. There's a, a Scottish academic has a very good way of looking at it where she said, look, this AI it's what they call the odd paradox. Once something works, we stop thinking about it as AI and it just becomes normal technology. And I think that's a very good way to start where you say, you know, a, a chatbot, it is AI because it's got, you know, language processing and it has trained models in it. So technically it's AI, but we don't think of a chatbot as AI. So deploy those kinds of quick win technologies for the low hanging fruit to build your confidence while you look and see on the horizon, what is there that you should be paying attention to? And I suppose my final piece of advice would be, you know, look around, see what other companies are doing. There's an awful lot of companies who are shouting about what they're doing. And I think look and learn and transfer that into your business. So the examples that I often talk about are, you know, you wouldn't think of McDonald's as being AI driven. They have some amazing AI technology driving dynamic menus. And it's that vision to say, you know, I'm in the quick service restaurant business. I don't consider myself an AI type technology led company, but actually AI is dramatically relevant for you. Yeah, I suppose it's about finding that implementation plan, that purpose, and then having the vision to put it all in place. Um, David Kerrigan, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. Thank you. Well, I hope you really enjoyed David Kerrigan today and what he brought to the table, a fascinating look into the world of AI. The IMI Talking Leadership Podcast will, of course, be back very soon with another episode. Until then, take care.